Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was changing all those changes from Madeline Peru. Good morning. This is, of course, Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. What is Jazz Shapers, I hear you asking? It is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, what I call a business shaper. And my business shaper this morning is the extraordinary serial entrepreneur, though she settled recently, we'll see how long that lasts, called Sarah Murray. She's the founder and chief executive of Buddy, the technology business that helps you find out where you are and how you are. She's also founded lots of other very well-known businesses. You'll be hearing some fantastic words from her very shortly. In addition to hearing from Sarah, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, some fabulous music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Donald Burr, one of my favourites, Gregory Porter, and this from the iconic Stevie Wonder here on Jazz FM. Look down, look down That lonesome road before A thoughtful track from the brilliant Stevie Wonder. That was The Lonesome Road. Sarah Murray is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. She is the founder and chief exec, as I said, of Buddy, the technology business that lets you find out where and how people are. And she was also, I'm going to tell you, the founder of a fair few other businesses. But that's not where it began, Sarah. Thank you very much for joining me. It began in Lancashire. It began when you were six years old, or almost six years old, apparently. And people do say that that, that entrepreneurs start young. Tell me a little bit about your first foray into the working world. So I I was very young, and... uh my brother came home and told me that he'd seen in the in the in the village shop that a paper round was up and so he was going to go and try and get the paper round so he could earn some money so i thought oh this is an opportunity for me to earn some money i'll go and see if i can get the paper round so the next morning at very early uh, it was still pitch black he went down to the shop and i followed him down there and we went in to see the shopkeeper and the shopkeeper gave my brother the paper round and off he went on his bike and i said that 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 really wasn't fair that i ought to have had an equal chance to get the paper round i think the shopkeeper looked at me and thought there's no way i would turn up even the following day so he said to me um, well if you want to stay and work in the shop while your brother goes off and, do- and does that you're welcome to do that so i stayed and worked in the shop and and i stayed working in the shop every morning until i was about 10 or 11 years old now I have young children, and um, I don't. I'm not sure my seven-year-old would have had quite the same. She has gumption, but it's a different kind. Obviously, very, very young, early on, you realised you liked what what we would call work. But it strikes me that maybe it, it wasn't work to you; it was just stuff that kept you interested and was fun. Is that fair? Yeah, I never, I never thought about it as work, and it certainly never occurred to me that I was going off to do something that other people might not want to do that morning. I often look back at it on it and think it's amazing my parents let me go and do it, but again, they never even mentioned it. Of course, this was as though it was completely normal. Now, jumping right the way forward into now, and then I'm going to go back in time again. Just give me a little explanation about what Buddy is, because some people will have heard of it, many wouldn't have done, even though it's it's in all sorts of places now. 
Yeah, so we do technology um, in two areas, in criminal justice and in health. So in criminal justice, we um, we do tags for offenders to see where they are. And in the health market, we do wearable technologies to um, enable you to see that your elderly mother or elderly grandmother or grandfather is okay when you're not there. So it keeps them company. So this is now employing around 25 people. It's about 40. 40. Yep. It's going up fast. It's growing 100% year on year, my yep. sources tell uh, me. Uh, revenue's grown more than 100% pretty much every year since we started. And the technology now is not just in the UK with many projects, but is, in, is, is abroad as well. Yeah, we've got um, government customers from here to New Zealand, Australia, America, Sweden, Ireland. We really are attacking the world. And, and and just very quickly, the, the foundation for this idea was based on a personal experience. You lost your daughter, It apparently. was. It was slightly different. I was in a supermarket in Kent and I turned around and my daughter wasn't there. So that heart-stopping moment that so many parents have experienced. Um, but the odd thing about it was that a security guard stepped forward and he said, don't worry, madam, we'll sweep the shop. You go and stand at the exit of the car park and look in the back of the cars as they leave. I was utterly horrified by that obviously and I ignored him totally and ran screaming around the shop I found her in a few minutes but it, it really got me thinking why with modern technology couldn't I give her something that <clears throat> that would allow me to find her whenever I needed to and a few years later suddenly there is a business called Buddy and it's turning over a fair amount of money too <coughs> stay with me for lots more from my business shaper Sarah Murray today time for some music this is new it's from Lack of Afro and it's called Clean Living Under Difficult Circumstances <laughs> That was the rather funky uh, clean living under difficult circumstances from Lack of Afro. I'm sure we'll be hearing lots from them in the future. Sarah Murray is my business shaper. She is, as I said, the CEO and founder of Buddy, the business that is now ensuring that you can track miscreant children that disappear in supermarkets and, and a lot other of other things as well. Now, going back into, um, as I promised, the annals of history, you went to Oxford University, did an interesting degree, kind of one way and t'other, psychology, philosophy and physiology. Why not? Let's just throw them all in for fun. Um, you then went into management consultancy. At what point after graduating and working, I believe it was in the States, at what point did you think, I'm not going to be doing this forever, I'm going to be running my own show? And why? When did it happen? So I don't, I'd done management consulting for about a year and I'd gone into consulting thinking I'd learn about businesses, but actually all I learned was how to do a spreadsheet. So I went to my boss and I said, I think you could write some software that would save me three months work of spreadsheets. I could literally press go and it would do the work for me. Anyway, he didn't think it was a good idea to write that software. So I went off and out on my own. And what was the name of that first business that you set up? That was called Gnosis and it developed into Niner, N-I-N-A-H. So it's a, a marketing optimization co- company. Which is, and bearing in mind the timing of this, this is in the 90s, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Pretty before early, internet. Before the internet, I was going to say, pretty early on when the, the, the notion of automation would have scared the hell out of everybody because they thought, well, I won't have a job, whereas you, you obviously saw things very differently. Yeah, I still thought I'd have a job. I just thought I'd be able to do much more work. So it's about efficiency. And you sold to the publicist group? 
Yep. So how, how did that come about? Because again, it's, I'm saying it in a nice, relaxed, oh yes, you sold it to the publisher script. These things don't happen. You build a company, you go out on your own. How did that whole thing occur so conveniently for you? Well, it, it, yeah, it wasn't convenient. It was uh, developed over about 10 years and um, and it really needed to go global. So I'd been, I'd been talking to Martin Sorrell and WPP group about becoming part of a big group and uh, I met some people who said they'd introduced me to the other groups. So I talked to the other large communications groups and it was the best fit for publicists. And then, then the big thing kind of happened. I mean, that was a relatively big thing. Let's not undermine that for a moment. But you, you created a brand that people, most people will be fully familiar with, now called Confused.com. Then I believe it was called Inspop. Yeah, Inspot was the limited company, the right. holding company. And Confused.com was the, was the brand name. The first um, price comparison site for, for, for car insurance on the market. Yeah, I did that while I was doing. I was still doing Nina. So at Nina, I was working with companies to optimize marketing investment. And one of the companies I was working for was what was then called Norwich Union, an insurance company. And uh, I basically worked with them and and said that in the general insurance market, that it was commoditizing. So they need to to be able to reduce their costs to to compete in the market. And the way to reduce their costs was instead of going out was to get online. But instead of going out and spending all the money themselves, they could work with other insurance companies and divide that money between them, create a market which was a benefit for consumers. Now, now that right from the beginning of what you talked about in terms of you know the piece underneath it, the back end software, which obviously you had to understand what you wanted and how to create it, through to the idea that you could convince people that the world was going this way. These are relatively big things at that time in the in the evolution of of retail online retail technology and, and online retail the on-time re- online retail business. How did you do it? How did you convince people that that was the right story to be telling? Um, that, that's it's spot on. Pretty much every business I've built has been uh, very much against the the grain in an industry and going around trying to convince people to do things very differently. So I, I marched into an insurance industry that was very stuck in its ways and, and very committed to doing what it had always done, and people didn't didn't welcome it, shall we say? So I just had to partly scare them with missing out on the future and partly encourage them to be brave. And you obviously did it, and we'll talk a lot more about how you've encouraged people to be brave going forward. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, but before that, some words of wisdom, as I promised, from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. Hello, my name's Saul Sender, and I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkondorea. The choices that small growing companies face when raising money are very similar to the choices that large international companies face when they're raising money in in the city or, or on the international capital markets. Essentially, there's a decision to be made between raising debt finance or equity finance. Debt finance is as simple as a loan. It suits you best if you have regular cash flow because the obligation to repay is fixed and you need the, the money to repay it back on a periodic basis. Equity can be much more flexible But on the downside to the business owner, you're giving away ownership of the company. You may be giving away future profits, you may be giving away future proceeds of a sale, or if you sell uh, more than 25 or 50% of the company, you may be losing control in due course. So business owners who are looking to grow need to weigh up the pros and cons of how to raise money. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, you get to hopefully hear me talking to a wonderful shaper in the world of business, someone who's really done extraordinary things, dare to be different, and convince people to be brave. My business shaper today was talking just about doing that very thing earlier. She is Sarah Murray. She was the founder of uh, Confuse.com. She's the founder of Buddy, which is her current business. Um, You're also, I should mention, just to embarrass you, an OBE, of course, uh, a couple of years ago, for services to entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, you are also, apparently, according to Fortunes Magazine, one of the 10 most promising female entrepreneurs this year. Not bad. Amazing. The only uh, one outside the US. Well, there you go. I didn't know that bit. That's even better. I mean, just extra- and you've been described actually as a female internet hero. Um, and I'm just going to throw in, because why not? You're a qualified <laughs> helicopter pilot. Yeah, anyone that's jealous, you should be. This is Wonder Woman sitting here. Let's go back to the time when you when we were talking about the, the Confused.com stuff. Um, and you said, you know, it was my I always convince people to, to do brave stuff. What do you think makes you want to do that? What do you think drives that <laughs> desire to just be a bit different? Um, generally, if somebody says something can't be done, I really want to solve it. I have no idea why. I've always had that feeling. But um, I think my, my mother probably brought us up to... She always used to say, aim for the moon. If you miss, you get a handful of stars. Aim for the stars. If you miss, you get a handful of air. So I've always sort of aimed for the moon. And and you've obviously been surrounded or have surrounded yourself with people that have also said the same thing. I mean, you have. I imagine you have some people, mentors that you've... You know, yeah, you've gone no, I've to. got some great mentors. I've got a fantastic team at Buddy. Um, I've got a very competitive little sister who pushes me quite hard as well, um, who's the junior barrister of the year for <laughs> family law this year. It's a quiet, so. a quiet uh, low, low achievement family we're talking about here. But and, and but that, in, in all seriousness, that competition, obviously that intellectual rigour that you have, uh, coupled with energy and the desire to really solve stuff, that's obviously a big part of your success. Yeah, I never think about the energy. It's just the way I am. I, I like to keep busy. I'm uh, always thinking about the next thing. And what about family? Do you get yep. time? I mean, you've got, you said, we, we t- <laughs> do you get time? We, we talked about your daughter. Do you have other children as well? No, I've just got one daughter. She's amazing. She's studying in New York, wants to be a fashion designer. And and she's just recently said to me, Mummy, I've been thinking about it. And when I leave, when I leave um, college, I'd like to start my business straight away. Do you think that's a bad idea? I just said, I wonder where you got that from. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> the apples have not fallen very far from this particular tree. Going back to when you sold, um, you sold Confused, how did you convince this pretty big company, Admiral, and how did you, on your terms, to do what you needed to do? I mean, why why did that come about? Were you actively looking to sell the business at that point? Actually, it was the other way around. Um, they convinced me. I went to convince them to uh, come on the website, and they and Direct Line didn't really want to go direct to consumers because they didn't like the rest of the industry originally. They didn't believe in transparent pricing. They didn't want everyone to be able to see the, the prices and be able to compare them easily. So they said um, they would come on the website if they could take a share in it. And I said, obviously, we can't do that because we wouldn't be independent. Um, so they made an offer for the whole business. Which, after toing and froing, was acceptable. Yep. What's that feeling like, that first time you do it and you go, oh, I've just sold something for quite a lot of money. It wasn't the first time you'd obviously sold a business, but I imagine the, the quantum was rather bigger. Well, you don't think about it. As an entrepreneur, you never feel... Do you really not, though? I mean, sometimes people say, how can you not think about it? You really don't. You you never feel as though you've quite got there as an entrepreneur. You're always thinking about the the next thing, the next big ambition. You know, like like now, I'm really thinking about where I'm going to take Buddy and how big it's going to be. People are always asking me, what's your exit strategy and how much are you aiming for? But you just never think like that. You always just think about the next gate. Find out what the next gate might be um, with me and my business shaper, Sarah Murray. Time for some music. This is the brilliant and big tune from Donald Bird. One of my favourites, as I said earlier, it's Falling Like Dominoes.
That was Donald Bird and Falling Like Dominoes. I hope it got you dancing. It did for me. Sarah Murray is my business shaper today. And um, so many things you've done. And and yet there's um, more, as you said, there's there's gates still to go through. That restlessness now that you, you talk about, obviously you have got plans for Buddy um, and you're some way on that journey. When will you know that the, the Buddy bit has come to an end in the same way that you might have known that the Confused bit had come to a, a natural stop? How does one know? Um, I'm not sure you ever really know. I think uh, something cha- maybe some changes come along that make you make a different decision. So with with Buddy, I, I feel as I've done startup, it's actually really really exhausting starting a business from scratch, and I've done it so many times now um, that I really want to do grow up, and I'm and I'm very ambitious long term for Buddy. Um, but I'll know whether this product that we are releasing now is successful. I guess next year, depending on who who buys it and how many they buy. And 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 you talk about the you know the longer term play. Would it could it be that actually is it feasible that if this product works and then there's another two or three that come down the line that actually this is a a much longer term proposition for you? Yeah, we were described recently by a U.S. private equity house who rang me out of the blue um, as they'd been told that we were the apple of this space, and and that's a great ambition, I think. And how? But and then and then of course one looks at Apple and other big companies, and the constant question is how they continue to grow fast, to to be explosive in in how they're moving things forward. Um, past performance is no indication of future performance. How do you ensure that you're injecting that you know the the OB accolade that you got of innovation and entrepreneurship into a business that is growing? How do you make sure that that happens every single day? Uh, well, the challenge is in the growth phase is very easy, but in the challenge is as you get as you get real scale in a customer market to keep innovating. And Buddy, I've built a slightly different way from any previous company. I've got my own other R and D department, which is in an incubator lab in Scotland, and they're doing really smart, uh, really smart stuff, which we'll bring out over the next one or two years. Um, that keeps both keeps me excited and keeps us at the forefront of innovation. And who are they? And how have you? Because this is an interesting model. You basically got a group of people playing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, it's just really, really great engineers that I um, I stalked through LinkedIn and found them. And then you just trusted them. Put and them together. That- we talk about ideas. We talk about the markets. We talk about where we want to go. We come up with ideas together. We file patterns, and then we start making stuff. What What would they say about you, these guys, as well as your own team? What would How would they describe Ooh. Sarah Murray as a leader? Gosh, I've no idea. You'd have to ask them. <laughs> what do you reckon? As a hunch. Um, well, my, my old CTO always used to say I was extraordinary in that he would come and present me with a load of stuff and he said I would just put my finger on the one thing that he was a bit unsure about. He said, I don't know how you've got this ability to just spot that little that little thing. Um, and I don't know how I, I do that, but they'd probably say that that's true. And I imagine the converse is true as well. You spot a winner very fast. You know what's going to work. I've got a whole load of winners. I mean, I really have got an extraordinary team with this one. But in terms of also going back and identifying the thing that's going to land in the market well, what, where do yeah. you think that comes from? Yeah, I just, I don't understand how everyone doesn't have it. For me, I can just, I've got a really clear view of a market and I can see what's missing. You know, I, I think when I'm old, I always say, joke to people, when I'm old, the last thing I want is a stranger undressing me. So I want robots to be there so I can have a robot to undress me. And so I think it's really important that we invest in the right technologies for when I'm old. And it's the same thing with Buddy. You know, when I, where I'm out there and I'm on my own, I want to make sure someone's with me, but I don't want someone walking around with me or checking up on me. So I want technology to do that for me. Stay with me for some more fascinating words and my final chat, unfortunately, with Sarah Murray, my business shaper. Plus, there'll be a track from Gregory Porter. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
That was Gregory Porter, a modern classic with Lonesome Lover. Sarah Murray has been my business shaper. We've been talking about so many things I can hardly recall. But innovation um, and, and your search for innovation, your ability to pinpoint what's missing, your ability to pinpoint what the market needs, those are fantastic skills, which I imagine you would love the whole next generation of entrepreneurs to have. Can you help someone develop those skills? Can government help? Or is it something far more intrinsic to the human being uh, themselves? Um, I don't think government can create an entrepreneur, but I think government can give an entrepreneur the skills to to have a better chance of running successful business. I mean, we're at uh, Britain, we're in the forefront of, of leading entrepreneurship globally. We have so many startups. What we need is the grow up. So we need people to be able to run those businesses well once they've got them started. You obviously believe, though, that there's some help for the for, for government to create the, the conditions within which, as you said, the, the right entrepreneurs can flourish. You're yeah. a member of Vince Cable's Entrepreneurs Forum we mentioned earlier part of the British government's technology strategy board what do you talk about in these meetings and what actually happens because it strikes me that I think there are really well-intentioned names of committees within government that frankly talk to each other and then nothing happens is that an unfair accusation I can certainly understand why people might think that um, but actually what we do is or what I certainly try to do is come up with actionable ideas so very simple things that ministers can get hold of and push through and, and there are some very small and simple things that government can do that make a real difference like what? Well, for example, the CDIS scheme, which which exists now, which allows uh, investors to invest in a small company and basically very low risk of, of losing any money. Well, it's a fantastic scheme because when you start up, it, I don't care what anybody says, the key thing you need is capital. You need enough money to be able to live and to develop the products that you're developing. So encouraging angel investment in that is a fantastic scheme and this government have done that. Now, you talked about um, kind of personal wealth is really not touching you in, in terms of the feeling that it gave you. Does it, though, on the, on the one side, even if you're not thinking of the amount of money that's sitting somewhere or that's invested, does it give you a sense of confidence or of security that you don't need to worry about that bit? And does that in itself then perpetuate more, um, uh, more openness from you to innovate and to, to experiment? Um, for me, it actually hasn't hasn't made uh, such a big difference. I still always worry. You were crazy um, anyway. You were still trying stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still always a big worrier, and I, I know that generally when people sell their businesses, they lose forty percent of the money in the first twelve months. So I'm always telling people to be very careful about that. And and there have been a few investments that I've made that on which I've lost my shirt. I've learned the hard way that the best person to invest in is me. Um, and does it make you take less more risks? I, I don't think so. I think the other thing about British companies is that we we take a load of risk at start. Up. And as soon as we've built a company that's actually real and is making money, that's the point at which we stop taking the risk. And that's the point at which we need to take the risk. And that's what the Americans do at that point where they've got a good business. Instead of saying, oh, let's protect it and let's be careful with it. They say, right, let's we've proven it. Now let's get out and push it harder. You're not going to retire, are you? I mean, that's no. pretty obvious. In terms of as you move on and you, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, well, one can never predict the future. What would the ideal life post the hurly-burly of running your own businesses look like? Well, that's the trouble. I pretty much have my ideal life. That's why I fly a helicopter. I absolutely love it. It means I can visit people very, very quickly and easily. Um, I have great friends. I have a fantastic social life, but I, I'm totally engaged in the business and the, and the things that I do around it. So I, I wouldn't really want to change my life.
And it sounds like you're absolutely you're able to live in the moment, which is rare as well. It sounds like you're quite grounded in that sense. Yeah, I was in Mallorca a couple of weeks this summer, and I had one day where I actually just lazed around and just sat by the pool and stuff. And I had a moment lying on a lilo on the pool where I thought, oh, this is what people mean about just doing nothing. Actually, this is lovely. But having done it for a day, I was totally refreshed and ready for the next year. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy another day next year at some point. Um, it's been brilliant having you um, as my guest today. Thank you. Just before I let you go, though, what is your song choice? And why, Sarah Murray, have you chosen it? Um, I've chosen someone to watch over me from Chet Baker, partly because I love Chet Baker and, and, and a lot of the work around that smooth jazz, that era, um, and someone to watch over me because I'm hoping that as Buddy is introduced to more and more people, they will feel that they've got someone to watch over them and that will give them comfort. Brilliant. This is your choice. Thank you so much for joining me. It's Chet Baker with someone to watch over me. There's a somebody I'm longing That was someone to watch over me from Chet Baker, the song choice of my business shaper today, Sarah Murray. Brave, unbelievably brave, someone who really took people on and said, no, no, view it my way. Inventive, someone who is still investing in innovation and making things happen. And instinctive, someone who just knows what the market needs. Do join me again, same time, same place, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. That's next Saturday morning at 9am. In the meantime, though, Nigel Williams is coming up next here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.